Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Tonight, amid questions over images the White House called horrific, DHS now launching an investigation into these images, showing Border Patrol agents on horses, confronting migrants as they enter Texas from Mexico. Tonight, President Biden reacting to those chaotic scenes. We will get it under control. The union representing Border Patrol agents saying that's their training. David, sources tell us agents are still patrolling this border on horseback like they've always done. But DHS says it right now has agency monitors on the ground to make sure those policies are being followed. Well, tonight, thousands of Haitian migrants camped out on the Texas border face a tough choice. Cross back into Mexico or face being put on a plane to Haiti where some have not lived for years. And there's growing concern about how the migrants are treated both in Mexico and the U.S. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez reports from the border. The Department of Homeland Security is now investigating this incident where Border Patrol agents on horseback are seen intimidating Haitian migrants at the southern border. I was horrified to see the images and we look forward to learning the facts. We do not tolerate any mistreatment or abuse of a migrant. While the vice president weighing in on those images of Border Patrol agents blocking migrants on horseback. Human beings should never be treated that way. And tonight we've learned authorities have already deported about a thousand migrants back to Haiti. And on one of those flights, sources say a group assaulted three ICE agents and pilots. Just the latest sign of rising tensions.
Uh, first of all, uh, the images, as I expressed uh, earlier, uh, the images horrified us in terms of what they suggest and what they conjure up in terms of not only our nation's history, but unfortunately the fact that that page of history has not been turned entirely. And that means that there is much work to do, and we are very focused on doing it. Uh, but I will not prejudge the facts. I do not in any way want to impair the integrity of the investigative process. We have uh, investigators who are looking at it independently. They will draw their conclusions according to their standard operating procedures, and then the results of that investigation will be, uh, will be determined by the facts that are adduced. Yeah, media is very, very powerful. So when the light is shown on these women, and no one's saying they don't deserve it, but other women deserve it as well, when everybody knows their face, when everyone knows that the world is looking for them, it makes a real difference. And this is what we're seeing when the, when the value system, society's larger value system of white women being valued heavily and women of color not being valued as much. We are learning new information tonight about a report alleging President Biden's son, Hunter, attempted to shake down the Libyan government for millions Millions of dollars. Chief Washington correspondent Mike Emanuel tells us what he's hearing tonight. Good evening, Mike. Brett, good evening. These emails about Hunter Biden were obtained by Business Insider. The first email from January 28, 2015, written by a Democratic donor named Sam Jahari to Sheikh Mohammed Al Rabani, an Obama campaign donor. They were reportedly seeking to help recover billions in Libyan assets frozen by the Obama administration when Joe Biden was vice president. Jahari lays out Hunter's demands in a January 28, 2015 email, writing, Per phone conversation, I met with number two son. He wants $2 million per year retainer plus success fees. He wants to hire his own people. It can be close circle of people for confidentiality. His dad is deciding to run or not. A second email dated February 26, 2016, Jahari and Al Rabani receive an update from attorney John Sandweg who had reportedly reached out to Hunter's team about the Libya deal. I spoke with HB's team yesterday. They are interested in the project, but emphasized for them to get involved, the team, lobbyists, lawyers, and PR, would need to be a small group of folks they have a tight relationship with. They do not want a large group involved, and they only want people with whom they have a close relationship with due to the sensitivity surrounding their involvement. At the end of today's White House briefing, a reporter fired a question at Press Secretary Jen Psaki about Hunter Biden. She ignored the question. A White House spokesman later responded no comment when reached by Fox. Today, the top Republican on House Oversight called these latest revelations troubling. Hunter Biden has a pattern of abuse, a pattern of trying to sell influence to uh, his family. So I think this just uh, vindicates a lot of people like myself and a lot of my colleagues in Congress who have always said uh, Hunter Biden, someone we should be suspicious of and someone who we should be uh, having access for oversight. This is not related to the emails from Hunter's purported laptop. Fox has reached out to Hunter Biden, but no response so far. It's unclear if any law. You said on the campaign trail that you were going to restore the moral standing of the U.S., that you were going to immediately end Trump's assault on the dignity of immigrant communities. Given what we saw at the border this week, have you failed in that promise? 
And this is happening under your watch. Do you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding? Of course I take responsibility. Yet he lays out one of these, you know, the, 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 exactly what you're describing, how it could all happen in 2024. It is, it is quite unnerving. And, and you say there's some cowards out there that don't want to talk about it. What do folks in the reality-based media do in the coming weeks? What's your advice for the press corps? I mean, my my advice for the press corps is to make to, is to is to drop the, the the fair and balanced about the one party and the other party. Who cares about the parties, right? The parties aren't really the story. The story is whether we have a democracy or not, and the behavior of the parties is 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 the actual story. I mean, so mm. I think that the main the main thing we have to do, and and you guys have done a lot in this direction is to drop the pretense of American exceptionalism, drop the idea that democracy is just out there like the air we breathe, and, ma- and make democracy the story itself. We had, we had minimal excuse to be surprised by 2016. We had no excuse to be surprised by the coup attempt in 2020. And if, we, if we're not prepared for an attempt for people to take power undemocratically in, in 2024, then we're just at this point pathetically naive. Preparing for that and getting the facts out so that people can prepare for that and prevent it is is what you know colleagues in journalism journalism should be doing. Yeah, that's the assignment. Uh, Timothy Snyder, thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 28th of September, year of our Lord, 2021. Sweet googly goo. A lot of stuff has happened since, yeah, my last podcast. And the amount of whining and carrying on and craziness that we have seen should not be even a small bit of a surprise because let's be honest this is our media they lied all the way through trump they lied during bush they lie they'll do anything to carry water for the left and today's show we will see that and that's why i stopped with the finally released video of all those evil white Trump voters who decided to walk into the Capitol, which they shouldn't have, but they did. And you can see there was no, there was no violence, even though we were told there was violence. So we're going to cover that. We're going to do a little Hunter today and little odds and ends. But I want to start on the Haitians as our media jerk-off of the week. Flyover Politics, the media jerk-off of the week. So hot. There are alarming images from the Texas border tonight. The White House pressed on them today, calling the images horrific. 
What were some Border Patrol agents doing? And all of this comes as the Biden administration now puts migrants on flights back home to Haiti. Kenneth Moton from Texas. Tonight, this new video of Haitian migrants at the southern border, the chaos and despair. Images showing Border Patrol agents on horseback as they try to stop them from crossing the river into the U.S. The White House seeking answers. I've also seen the video. I can't imagine what the scenario is where that would be appropriate. It's obviously horrific, the footage. Tonight, a sea of humanity and desperation along the Texas-Mexico border that has overwhelmed the U.S. Border Patrol. A number of agents on horseback can be seen trying to keep migrants from crossing into the country while threatening them with what appears to be horses' reins or ropes, including families like this one holding a baby when the agents get dangerously close. As they try to pass, the agents said this to them. Hey, you use your women? This is why your country a massive show of force by Texas troopers creating a barricade along the border to stop the thousands of mainly Haitian migrants from arriving in Del Rio, Texas. Morgan, there's been a lot of attention today on some of those images of agents on horseback doing back doing a crowd control, and there's questions over what they were holding. What can you tell us? Yeah, Lester, White House spokesperson Jen Psaki called those images horrific to watch, but said she needed more information before officially making a comment. Meanwhile, Secretary Mayorkas here in Del Rio says it appears those were the riders' reins for the horse, but did promise to investigate. We're told that agents are not equipped with whips and ride horseback. This scene along the southern border tonight, Texas Governor Greg Abbott using state-owned vehicles to create what he's calling a steel barrier with the migrant crisis on the border. And there is news tonight involving some of those border patrol agents seen on horseback confronting migrants. There are new images coming in tonight amid the surge of migrants at the border in Texas. The governor there putting in place what he calls a steel barrier, a fleet of state-owned vehicles to migrants. And tonight there is news on some border patrol agents seen in those images the White House called horrific. And tonight, amid outrage, DHS saying the melted Border Patrol agents seen aggressively trying to stop migrants from entering Texas have now been placed on administrative duties and will have no contact with migrants pending the outcome of that ongoing investigation. And tonight, amid questions over images the White House called horrific, DHS now launching an investigation into these images, showing Border Patrol agents on horses, confronting migrants as they enter Texas from Mexico. Tonight, President Biden reacting to those chaotic scenes. We will get it under control. The union representing Border Patrol agents saying that's their training. David, sources tell us agents are still patrolling this border on horseback like they've always done, but DHS says it right now has agency monitors on the ground to make sure those policies are being followed. Well, tonight, thousands of Haitian migrants camped out on the Texas border face a tough choice. Cross back into Mexico or face being put on a plane to Haiti where some have not lived for years. And there's growing concern about how the migrants are treated both in Mexico and the U.S. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez reports from the border. The Department of Homeland Security is now investigating this incident where Border Patrol agents on horseback are seen intimidating Haitian migrants at the southern border. I was horrified to see the images, and we look forward to learning the facts. We do not tolerate any mistreatment or abuse of a migrant. While the Vice President weighing in on those images of Border Patrol agents blocking migrants on horseback.
Human beings should never be treated that way. And tonight we've learned authorities have already deported about a thousand migrants back to Haiti. And on one of those flights, sources say a group assaulted three ICE agents and pilots. Just the latest sign of those images are hard to watch. But isn't that isn't that the whole idea um, about anything that is systemic, that it's baked into the system? Isn't that evidence that the system needs to be reformed so that people, the border agents aren't put in that position so that people coming into this country aren't put in that position, that there's a humane way to enter the country without people having to possibly come in uh, to contact with people on horses and so on and so forth. That, that is the, that's the definition of systemic, whatever it is, systemic racism, systemic whatever. It's built into the system. The system is created or is set up in a way that it isn't fair to anyone, really. I agree. The only thing I don't want to see is I don't want to see the CBP being demonized as a group. Yeah. They don't deserve that. I've been with them many times. I they think, are look, better than most law enforcement. They've got if a some tough screw job. up, they should be punished. Yeah, look, they've got a tough job. No one is denying that. But you cannot look away from those images. You can't look at no those way. images you, and go, it's horrible. oh, that looks great. And it, people want to say yeah. it's racist to say they hearken to slavery. How do they not? Yeah. How do they not does, evoke the that images. Yeah. of a century ago of inhumanity? That's why you don't want to. Look, you don't want it. You know, as the son of immigrants, that everybody wants to come into the country, right? The folks who, who come here voluntarily, they want to come in, they want to close the door behind them, right? They want to come in and they don't want to let the other folks in. Is that fair? Where right now, where is the Republican Party? It's with COVID exploding in a lot of Republican-led states down south. Where is this party right now? Where's it going? It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We have a party that, number one, is giving instructions to the most ardent supporters that will kill them. That if you believe in this iteration of the Republican Party, it very well could cost you your life. Your leaders, governors like the one in Mississippi, what we've seen in Alabama with more COVID deaths, more deaths in Alabama than actual births in the last year. If you believe in this party, it could cost you your life. Number two, if you are a woman in this country, this is a party that doesn't believe that your body is yours to command, that you have the right to make decisions about your health. For all the things we hear from this party, so-called liberty and freedom and their defense of why we shouldn't take the vaccine, that seemingly doesn't apply if you're a woman wanting to make a health care decision for yourself. If you're a minority in this country, you're labeled as the enemy. You're labeled as dirt. You're labeled as a drug dealer or a rapist or a criminal or a virus. The Republican Party is getting smaller and smaller. The Republican Party in California in 2003, during the recall that led to Arnold Schwarzenegger's election, the last Republican to get elected governor in California, that was a party that was fighting for the center. That was a party who chose an immigrant to be their standard bearer. Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't get elected dog catcher in today's Republican Party. He couldn't even get past a primary in this iteration of the party. And so as goes California, so goes the country. And just as the California Republican Party became a shell of itself, became a third party in the state of California in terms of voter registration, got completely wiped out of office statewide, lost control of the legislature, a veto-proof Democratic legislator, in California, that is what's going to happen to the National Republican Party if they keep going down this path. Kurt Bardella, thank you very much. We'll be reading your recent columns for. Okay, I want to show you some unbelievable images shot near Del Rio, Texas.
This video from over the weekend shows a horse patrol for U.S. Customs and Border Protection trying to corral human beings like cattle, chasing after Haitian migrants trying to cross back into the United States. These horrifying images seem far more reminiscent of the Fugitive Slave Acts of the 1790s and 1850 and not 2021. Today, the chief of Border Patrol told reporters that these agents were most likely using a technique to control their horses, but would look into the matter. Wow, okay, thanks. I was not aware that whips, um, which come from the slave era, slavery era, were part of the package that we issue to any sort of law enforcement or government-sanctioned personnel. Were you aware that that was being issued to people, that people had that kind of equipment on them that they could use on humans? I guess the obvious first question is, who, to your knowledge, were these agents on horseback? Why were they permitted to operate in this way? And is this some sort of standard procedure to corral people using horseback maneuvers that really look like you're herding cattle? Let's talk about where we go from here in terms of why people are being sent back. We know that Haiti is completely unstable. The, po the, the political climate there is desultory, as well as the health climate, um, the physical climate. Why would anyone and at this stage, particularly a, a, a child or a, you know, a, a mother, a family, why would anyone be deported back to Haiti at this point? We are out of time. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, thank you for sharing that with us. But I want to reiterate to our audience, it is not illegal to seek asylum in the United States. It is not. Um, so. That's a lie. It's a complete lie. There's the picture right there. They even interviewed the guy who took the photo. 
And he said it's a lie. It's been a lie since day one. It'll be a, a fucking lie until the end of time. But when you're letting that many people come through, you got to divert because we're supposed to be doing title whatever the fuck and stopping people from coming. And we don't want the real thing to get out that we just want to replace you. And then they release all of them. These are refugees. These are people from other countries that came illegally. Saki doubles down a lie over and over and over. Maxine Waters, Haitians fleeing violence and the lack of credible government in Haiti are being treated like animals. This brings the worst things of slavery. Border agents horseback have been placed on leave. They were going to put the Haitians in Gitmo. AP, Haitian migrants being released in the U.S. on a very, very large scale. That's why they had to put it out because the AP actually reported on it. Rashida Tlaib. This is so sick and the CBP will continue to commit human rights abuses. Human rights abuses. Riding a horse is a human rights abuse. Okay. Police officers overheard a capital ask, who the heck gave Border Control whips? Because they're so turned. You know they are now. Democrats were on CNN from Texas going, that's not true. Not true at all. I can't I can't play it because I couldn't get it. But the guy who took it says it's a lie. Media John Harwood to Katie Bolden tried to strike a tone of solidarity with Americans who saw those horrendous videos of agents on horsebacks swinging lariat or whips or whatever they were in a way to intimidate Haitians. He said he shared their outrage, except they didn't. Mallorca says Biden administration opposes the wall because people crossing illegally is one of our proudest traditions. Why did you allow them in the country in the first place? Why didn't you build, forgive me, a wall or a fence to stop them from walking in this flood of people coming across the dam? It looks like a highway that allows them to cross the Rio Grande. It is this pol- the policy of this administration. Uh, we do not agree with the building of the wall. The law provides that individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. That is actually one of our proudest traditions. No, it's not. No, it's not. And the stories are out. People are being told. Blue check lib kicked off the whole BS whips narrative. Now says this isn't about whips, reins, or even horses. Border patrols mounted on horseback, rounding out patient refugees with whips. This is unfathomable. Blah, 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 blah. This isn't about horses and reins. It's about his administration continuing a Stephen Miller policy to deny Haitians the right to claim asylum. Look, look at the racists. Joe Biden's a racist now. At the same time, Rashida Tlaib, Israel is an apartheid strait. They tried to stop the Iron Dome. 
And while it's going on, the FBI is investigating the assault of a female Fort Bliss soldier by several male Afghan refugees. They have murdered people, abused children sexually, the whole nine yards. Lib Twitter saying it's Stephen Miller who did it all. Judge orders federal prosecutors to release new collection of capital surveillance videos. I played it because there you are. It's all a lie. It's always a lie. You don't want to talk about where when there's 12,000 black people under a bridge at a border and our government responds with men on horseback. This is beyond troubling, Andy Levin says. Stephen Miller, media with border over the past weeks, a media with the border today. And he's true. I'm still in awe. 12,000 people were kept in squalor conditions, sitting in their own shit and makeshift tents in 100 degree heat for four days. And our media completely ignored it until they could use one photo to scream how inhumane it is. They didn't care about these people sitting for four days in these conditions until they could use it somehow to make a point about border agents. The Biden administration will definitely get to the bottom of who allowed the border agents to try and contain 12,000 people that aren't refugees they're from other countries there's already documented proof they're shredding their documents excuse me they don't even cover this supposed to be the aggressors they were supposed to be this white man said he was a white american so that's your Let me ask you about something that that you tweeted um, the start of fall today. Uh, but tens of thousands of Americans died over the summer of COVID. Uh, and you tweeted this, death by anti-science aggression. Since April, anti-science aggression, defiance of vaccines, despite their availability, has murdered 100,000 Americans. More than global terrorism, cyber attacks, nuclear proliferation, and yet we refuse as a nation to implement measures to halt it. Uh, you're calling out, I assume, politicians here. And what, what do you want them to do? Here's the problem. As as I said, 100,000 Americans have died of COVID since May. Despite the availability of safe and effective vaccines, this was happening because of vaccine refusal. People bought into the disinformation, which I now call anti-science aggression. Victor and thousand are going to die by December at current estimates. So we're going to be looking at 200,000 deaths by anti-science. And the point is, we build in a lot of infrastructure to combat global terrorism, nuclear proliferation. Anti-science is killing more Americans than all of those things combined. We need to really take measures. And it goes beyond just calling out Facebook. Yes, the social media companies clearly have a hand in this, but we've refused as a nation to go after the sources of the disinformation. What the Center for Countering Digital Hate calls the disinformation dozen non-governmental organizations, the aggression from the political right, what we're hearing on the conservative news outlets, what we're hearing the anti-science aggression that we're hearing from 
U.S. members of Congress, including not only trying to discredit science, but discrediting scientists going after me and, and others and Dr. Fauci, of course, some of the governors uh, here in the South. And then lastly, and what no one talks about is, is the Ru Russian government under Putin, who's using this as a wedge issue. There's even a name been appended to it now. It's called weaponized health communication, using this to sow discontent in the United States and making a massive contribution to anti-science. We need to bring in the State Department, the Justice Department, Homeland Security. This goes way beyond HHS. And so far, we've not seen measures to, 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 con to combat that. Dr. Peter Hote. We are learning new information tonight about a report alleging President Biden's son, Hunter, attempted to shake down the Libyan government for millions of dollars. Chief Washington correspondent Mike Emanuel tells us what he's hearing tonight. Good evening, Mike. Brett, good evening. These emails about Hunter Biden were obtained by Business Insider. The first email from January 28, 2015, written by a Democratic donor named Sam Jahari to Sheikh Mohammed al-Rabani, an Obama campaign donor. They were reportedly seeking to help recover billions in Libyan assets frozen by the Obama administration when Joe Biden was vice president. Jahari lays out Hunter's demands in a January 28, 2015 email writing, per phone conversation I met with number two son. He wants $2 million per year retainer plus success fees. He wants to hire his own people. It can be close circle of people for confidentiality. His dad is deciding to run or not. A second email dated February 26, 2016, Jahari and Al-Rabani receive an update from attorney John Sandweg, who had reportedly reached out to Hunter's team about the Libya deal. I spoke with HB's team yesterday. They are interested in the project, but emphasized for them to get involved, the team, lobbyists, lawyers, and PR, would need to be a small group of folks they have a tight relationship with. They do not want a large group involved, and they only want people with whom they have a close relationship with due to the sensitivity surrounding their involvement. At the end of today's White House briefing, a reporter fired a question at Press Secretary Jen Psaki about Hunter Biden. She ignored the question. A White House spokesman later responded no comment when reached by Fox. Today, the top Republican on House Oversight called these latest revelations troubling. Hunter Biden has a pattern of abuse, a pattern of trying to sell influence to uh, his family. So I think this just uh, vindicates a lot of people like myself and a lot of my colleagues in Congress who have always said uh, Hunter Biden someone we should be suspicious of and someone who we should be uh, having access for oversight. This is not related to the emails from Hunter's purported laptop. Fox has reached out to Hunter Biden, but no response so far. It's unclear if any law. They are always deflecting. It's what they do because they have nothing else. The Hunter story, Politico confirms, it's real. Drew Holden. I don't know if folks remember how bad the smear campaign was in the New York Post. It's worth starting with CNN. They brought up the James Clapper to call a scoop a Russian trade craft. I mean, for crying out loud, NPR said it. Joanne Reed said it. Politico themselves said it was that. Might be good time to update the fact check. Fact checkers all said it. There was a bunch of elected officials repeated the bogus allegation. Schiff, David Cliff, Pascal, Chris Murphy. I want to pause, drive a point home. In the weeks leading up to an election, Big Tech, the Democrats, and the corporate press worked together to buy a damaging story, to bury a damaged story about a candidate, and they succeeded. You can shrug that off. I don't know what's wrong with you. deflect. It's always deflect. 
Facebook data used to analyze user behavior is totally flawed. It's against conservative. 53 to 1, big tech censors GOP members of Congress, tons more than Democrats. Not going to cover that. They just lie. I mean, his polls are garbage. Just garbage. He's in the fucking basement on everything. 57% say they oppose all this spending. New poll, Biden lost 18 points in his job approval, rating among blacks in the last two months, 16 points among Hispanics, 14 points among Asians, only 8 points among whites, because they're liberals. Charlie Kirk, J6 rally on Saturday, 450 in attendance, 3 to 1 ratio journalists to attendees, 27 agencies enlisted for security, 1 to 1 ratio officers to attendance. Del Rio, 14,000 illegals, 2,000 CBP, 1 to 7 ratio CBP to illegals, no coverage. U.S. murder increased by 29.4% in 2020. Striker Brigade taking over in Iraq without their strikers. But the media, this is what they're doing. I thought uh, President Biden touched on all the traditional themes of American internationalism. The very foundation of the United Nations is part of the internationalist ideology that President Biden was sharing. What a contrast uh, with President Trump, who disdained this sort of uh, collective uh, uh, approach to international problems. It it was really re-anchoring the U.S. in the kind of words and values that the world associates with us. The the challenges are that this is a very complicated world. Making multilateral agreements work today, uh, responding to, to problems on the level of global climate change, the global COVID pandemic have proven very, very difficult. So President Biden was using the rhetoric of of collective cooperative action, promising new programs, new money for climate change, uh, new uh, vaccine available for for our friends around the world, and an America that's not going to be burdened uh, going forward with with war. I I thought the line, Michael mentioned it, uh, it's absolutely central to to this speech, for the first time in 20 years, the U.S. is not at war. It's a powerful statement to this to this group. And the second powerful statement he said is, "We will not go it alone." I think that you know those things resonate. The challenges are just how complicated the problems are. But I, I think in terms of a good speech, you couldn't you couldn't get, get the get the the words the, the sheet of music much better than this. Coming up in this hour, an exclusive interview with Senator Bernie Sanders will ask about the art of the possible to advance President Biden's agenda. But Would Senator, you consider yeah. a number less than $3.5 trillion? No, right, look, to Joe we're Manchin? talking about numbers. You tell me what we should cut. Tell the working families of this country that we don't need to make it make child care affordable. Listen, all of the causes you stated are all very worthy. We all get it. You don't want to cut any of them, but it gets to the point that you have to get things done. So what are you willing to do? What have you said to Joe Manchin? Have you been talking to him? 
Well, tonight, President Biden's approval rating has hit a new low. Finds 43% of Americans approve of the job he's doing, and 53% do not. Only President Trump had a lower approval rating at a similar point in his presidency. And tonight, some of Mr. Biden's most ambitious plans are facing opposition. President Biden's poll numbers are dwindling nationwide and in several key states amid a handful of crises which critics consider self-inflicted by the president. While it's a long way away, the shift does not bode well for Democrats ahead of next year's midterm elections. Correspondent Mike Emanuel takes a look tonight. President Biden's job approval nationally has slipped six percentage points in a new Gallup survey to 43 percent. That could be a drag on swing district House Democrats. In Michigan, the president has dropped to 39 percent approval in the Detroit chamber poll. In New Hampshire, the president's approval has dipped to 46 percent in the new Granite State poll. There, the NRCC is targeting Congressman Chris Pappas. In Virginia, which Joe Biden won by 10 points, his approval is down to 46 percent in the Washington Post poll. The NRCC has two top targets there, Congresswomen Abigail Spanberger and Elaine Luria. In Iowa, where the president's approval has dropped 12 percentage points since June, in the Des Moines Register survey, the NRCC is targeting Congresswoman Cindy Ack. Like Andrea, I think the big takeaway was how different this was from President Trump. And I think that's really what he was trying to talk about. If you remember, when President Trump was there, he got laughed at. President Biden, this is why he got elected. This was a normal speech. We could disagree on some of the points, but this was a normal standard outlining of American priorities about democracy, about internationalism, about working with our allies. Last time, President Trump said that no other president has gotten more done in two years. And people started laughing. And he started laughing with them because he thought, oh, they were laughing with them. They weren't. And this was a much more standard speech. The president's credibility on the world stage uh, as a leader in solving COVID and climate depend on him being able to convince us domestically to focus on COVID and climate. I mean, that's sort of the struggle here. What he says and, and the struggles we're having in our country and what he's saying uh, he wants to see in the world, I think in order to get that credibility on the world stage, he's got to show that he successfully essentially turned the corner here domestically on both of these issues. And part of that is also having that means you've successfully pushed back at Trumpism and authoritarianism in this country and then can also speak on the world stage as the leading democracy. So, I, I look, I thought it was a, a very good speech, one that does should reassure allies. But to me, it also was a reminder of the challenges in order to have that credibility internationally. He's got to show that he can turn the ship here in this country on those two big issues of COVID. All right, climate. Chuck, thank you. Then there are labels like 3.5 trillion. All these huge numbers get thrown around. It could be incredibly misleading. We know there are multiple bills encompassing dozens of policy proposals, but there's not a single clear name or abbreviation like Obamacare or a sense uh, of, of um, what this moment in time will be called. And there are countless headlines about the personal political drama. I, I think if you're an insider, you probably think all the news coverage has been, has been really helpful. Uh, you probably are totally up to speed. But for everyone else, I fear it's indecipherable and almost impenetrable. So what can we do better? 
With me now is Catherine Rempel, Washington Post opinion columnist and CNN economic and political commentator, and Josh Marshall, founder and editor-in-chief of Talking Points Memo. I've seen you both sharing your media critiques on Twitter. Let's bring those on to television now. Catherine, you first. What is the, the one biggest thing you would change about the coverage of these budget battles if you could change anything right now? So there are so many things, but I think my number one priority would be more discussion of what's actually in the bill, as opposed to this top line figure, which itself is misleading, of $3.5 trillion. Uh, there are good ways to spend uh, a huge sum of money. There are bad ways to spend a huge sum of money. But the kind of media coverage that we've been getting doesn't really explore whether the, you know, the kinds of things that are in this bill are, are meritorious or not. I'd love to see more people commenting about, should we invest in childcare this way or paid leave that way or in climate? Instead, right. it's about the number. And why is the number misleading? Why is that 3.5 trillion figure misleading? because it doesn't really represent anything. Um, it's this weird shorthand that's been used, but in fact, the bill itself will not cost $3.5 trillion in the sense that it will be entirely or at least partly paid for. So the actual cost in terms of deficits will be smaller than that, perhaps even zero, although I think that's unlikely. And it's not even, um, you know, fully spending. It's not really right to call it a $3.5 trillion spending bill because there's probably about a trillion dollars of tax cuts in it too. So oh. it's really hard to boil down the essence of what this legislation is because it does so many things and because, um, you know, they're, they're still negotiating over the basic parameters. Yeah. Seriously? His UN speech was a joke. He is literally in the tank. He's horrible. It was just horrible. I, I don't even know how sometimes to even understand how they can go on TV and lie every fucking night. There, there is no push for any of this. People, people don't want this. I'm fucking up by the numbers. People don't want this. They don't want any of this stuff. What makes it even worse is the fact that it is so coordinated right now and so fucking predictable because they want to replace you. They want to get rid of you. They don't want you to be able to vote. They don't want to ever give up power. They just want to run everything for the rest of their lives. That it's happening again. More people are staging. And Greg Gutfeld totally explains in common sense fashion why they went after the whip. Breaking tonight, the southern border crisis at the Texas border is about to get worse because of a southern border crisis at the Mexican border with Guatemala. That is the entry point for thousands of migrants hoping to make their way into the U.S. Correspondent Griff Jenkins is in Tapachula, Mexico tonight. Good evening, Griff. Good evening, Brett. Mexican officials here say they've never seen anything like this and that it dwarfs what we saw in 2019 when we covered the caravans who came through here. Now, a staggering number of migrants are struggling to get out. 
Officials here say as many as 10,000 Haitians are stuck in Tapachula, applying for refugee status and work permits, fighting their time, waiting to head north to the U.S. A lot of people Haitian living in Mexico, in Tapachula, but uh, it's not the destination. The destination of the older people Haitian is in the United States. It's overwhelming Mexican officials who say that so far this year, they've received over 77,000 migrants, which is already more than all of 2019. The head of Mexico's Refugee Commission says by the end of September, that number will be close to 90,000. Nearly 71% of those migrants pass through Tapachula. Will you go back to Haiti? No, 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 never, never. And Brett, Mexican officials here in charge of refugees in the state of Chiapas say they are preparing for an onslaught of as many as 15,000 confirmed migrants in South America, many Haitian, many in Colombia on their way here. So much so that officials tomorrow morning are opening up a soccer stadium. listening room in Nashville. We're here all week, and boy, is it great to see you. <laughs> after spending so many years in New York City, coming here is like taking a warm, sudsy bath after living in Joy Behar's armpit. <laughs> Believe me, if I could move here, I'd already be here, which means it's time for... <laughs> Presents why New York is horrible and stupid, and we need to get the hell out of here as soon as possible. Please help. Seriously, please help us. <laughs> Apparently, no matter what befalls the Big Apple, NYC remains the media capital of the world. It's weird. It's like declaring Afghanistan the best place to open a gay friendly bed and breakfast. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> sure, in New York City, you could be pushed in front of a subway train by a guy wearing nothing but a smile and a hospital bracelet. But really, the Broadway shows are to die for. <laughs> nothing makes you forget about your grandma getting mugged for her false teeth than a matinee showing of Hello, Dolly. <laughs> Have you tried our New York famous bagels? Try a local deli. Just follow the police chalk outlines on the sidewalk. <laughs> and be sure to step over the bodies to get to it. The good news is every homicide comes with a free pickle and a bag of chips. So I want to get out of New York, but I have to convince more than my wife. You know, there's my mistress and her kids. Three separate states. But also I have to convince Fox. How do I do that without threatening to go public with those pictures of Steve Ducey like you've never seen him before? They're disgusting. We can only show you the upper half. We know that the bosses are watching this show right now. That's because people haven't seen a hit this big since the last video of Hunter Biden puffing on his crack pipe. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. So maybe I should compare and contrast both cities. Today, we went all over Nashville and looked at what makes a good city. Real estate, civility, cleanliness of the massage parlors. They love, they love their massage parlors. So does Brian Kilmeade. I kid. 
He thinks a happy ending is when someone makes it to the end of one of his books. <laughs> so here goes, the comparisons. First, let's check out Nashville's food. How great does this look? I love the barbecue here. It's so good, it has PETA asking for seconds. <laughs> now let's show New York City. Yeah. <laughs> that is a rat enjoying a slice of pizza. Yeah, when we, when we get a pizza with everything on it, we mean it. So how about fashion? All over Nashville, great, great looks, hats, boots. Now, it may not be your cup of tea, but who doesn't want to see Tyrus and Chaps in a bolo tie? Yeah. You know, we do, we do love our cowboys, except for Cat. She thinks high noon, it means her lunchtime bong hits. <laughs> okay, so we've seen Nashville. Here's new NYC fashion. Mama, don't let your babies throw up the fan again. One of your old boyfriends? Yeah. Yeah. So what about real estate? Here's a typical house in Nashville. It's gorgeous. So much space for all your stuff. Well, here's one in Manhattan. Welcome back. I'm Deb DiMuccio with Manhattan Real Estate. So this listing right in the heart of Manhattan, open concept, super charming. Right now it's a 1.5 million asking price. Oh, tenant is still here. Hi, Hi. you want me to show you around? That would be fantastic. <laughs> there is no bathroom. You don't need a bathroom. So, you always hear about Southern hospitality. Well, here's Nashville. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. All right, stop it. Here's NYC. Pizza. I can't blame them for being mad. They thought they had tickets to see a comedy show. Turns out it was for Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> you know, if you watch closely, he'll start crying. So what about entertainment? Well, here's Nashville. You can walk into any bar and you've got incredibly talented local bands kicking some major ass. Meanwhile, here's NYC. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, it's good to see Chris Cuomo is moonlighting. <laughs> Poor guy. Anyway, so I think we know who won this contest here. 
But the other problem with New York City, it's full of people who never leave New York City. And if they do leave, and there isn't two shrinks per block, they come apart faster than Biden's teeth on a cob of corn. <laughs> they know everything about vegan sushi, but nothing about the world. For example, did you believe that photo of Border Patrol agents going around on horses with riding crops whipping people? You didn't, because you're normal. You're not Joy Reid. But in New York City, where every person is either homeless or once sexually harassed by a Cuomo, or sometimes both, these people are as gullible and stupid as the studio audience for The View. So apparently the media thought that these were whips. I understand. The only time New Yorkers see actual whips are at their S&M sessions with their dominatrix. That's where I met John Rich. Still owes me 40 bucks. It's worth every penny though, right? You know it. Though. But it's always like liberals to see things that aren't there. I wonder what else they think are whips. 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 Oranges. <laughs> so we have a hellish problem on the border, and the dope from Delaware had only one solution. Let's ban horses. Which raises the question, has this guy created even one job? He's even spiked unemployment among horses. People, people like to joke about how stupid everyone else is down south or up north or in flyover country. But the moment they step outside their liberal bubble, it's like watching Tyrus wear khakis. <laughs> Meanwhile, because... What the... No, no, hell no. Hold on. Hold on. But I'm almost well, done. Can't wear I'm almost done. You can come after me. So the rest of America brims with common sense. It's the kind that tells you, no, they're not whipping them. They're trying to control the horse on unstable terrain. You don't have to be the Lone Ranger to figure that out. So that's why we want to leave. We'd be happy here. But don't you people get a swelled head? We already have one of those. We call him Jesse. Oh, don't clap for him. It's never stopping. We're going to have so many illegal immigrants and they're going to put them all in red states and districts. It's so fucking blatant. And if Donald Trump did it, sweet God, if the right ever did anything like this. I know I'm fucking around with my cigar again, but I had to go help bring groceries in. I mean, they're hoping, because Trump did a rally... I mean, listen to Chuck Todd. Trying to figure out what's in Donald Trump's head, right? <laughs> Good luck. That's a, that's, a, that's a scary place that none of us want to live uh, rent-free inside his head, though I think many of us do. I know I have for, for, for a time being while he was president. And right now, he's the single greatest asset the Democratic Party has right now. Without Donald Trump in the way, I think the Democratic Party's problems would be a, a, would, would be a bit more uh, in the in the spotlight, if you will. But Donald Trump, by dividing his party the way he's done, uh, look, it's, it'll be the singular reason why, if Terry McAuliffe wins in, in Virginia in this political environment, he will have Donald Trump to thank. So Donald Trump is a huge asset right now to the Democratic Party and President Biden. That's the political guy for 
NBC News. Tom Elliott looks back at some of the most egregious examples of media telling us the exact opposite of the truth. Time and again, the media don't just make mistakes. It tells exactly exactly the opposite. They said Trump colluded with Russia and the FBI saved us. They, we, then we learned FBI, Hillary and the FBI colluded with Russia. They told us the Steele dossier was corroborated. Then we learned it was entirely debunked. And I have her in here. Hold on. Oh, this is so fucking good job. Boo, boo, boo. Where is it at? Liz Cheney was part of it. Because she's getting dogged by Republicans. I like Republican presidents who win re-election. George Bush. That's what she put up. Because she's in that clan. They said the surveillance state would never be used against Americans. Then we learned it happened all the time. They told us snooty Catholic students tormented a Native American. Then we learned it was the other way around. I mean, that in itself was the most shocking thing I could remember. Because I watched the thing live. Then I watched tapes. I and mean, they forget there's the internet. They told us Michael Avani was a warrior for justice. Then we learned he's a serial felon who exploits vulnerable clients. They told us Brett Kavanaugh was a serial rapist. Then we learned they were sitting on proof he wasn't. They told us they, desp- they despise acts of abuse against women. Then they defended Biden. They told us Trump call with Ukraine president was impeachable. Then they made excuses for Biden getting caught doing the damn same thing. Which is probably worse. It was about wars and people died because of it. Nobody died because of Trump's call. Said BLM riots were righteous acts of social justice. Then they said a smaller, less violent protest was literally terrorism. They said right-wing extremists tried kidnapping Governor Whitmer. Then we learned it was the FBI-led plot. On that, there's a passage. Here is a section from Peril on Melly's call on 10-30-20 with the PLA Zukon. You and I have known each other for now five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. It's not going to be a bolt out of the blue. This is actually worse than originally reported. Five years. So when he was chief of staff of the U.S. Army, did the rest of the JCS know he was talking to Chinese generals? Even if it were to be as charitable to Millie as I can and assume his motives were 100% pure, this still isn't how we should have said this, given the Chinese the sense that our chain of command could be circumvented over personal relationship is a net negative. Five years is before Trump, folks. They told us the USPS was conspiring to steal the election. Then we learned it was a conspiracy theory. Said Hunter's laptop was Russian. Disinformation, they learned, is absolutely real. They told us the FBI were American stalwart defenders of justice, rule of law. Then we learned they aided and abetted sex trafficking. They told us they needed two weeks to stop the spread. Then almost two years later, we're called selfish for wanting to live our lives. They told us they'd follow science wherever it leads. Then they led campaign to have science censored. They said mass stop the spread. Then we learned they do nothing. They told us Governor Cuomo totalitarian approach to COVID was a model. Then we learned he was running death camps and covering up evidence. Said Fauci was America's COVID savior. Then we learned he accidentally helped invent it. They told us COVID never could have come from a Chinese bio lab. Then we learned that almost guaranteed to be what happened. They told us 50% vaccinated would mean no more surge. Then we saw surges among the health highest vaccinated population. Told us Trump fans brought zip ties to kidnap lawmakers and kill a cop with a fire extinguisher. Then we learned they did none of these things. Told us the attack was planned on Parler. Then we learned it was actually Facebook. All of this. Now they say the FBI never would have been involved in January 6th riot. 
Well, let's just see. They never tell the truth. The truth. All they do is help the DNC. Glenn Greenwald explains why it's generally hilarious that CNN employs Brian Seltzer. Michael Calderon, this Timothy Snyder interview on reliable sources should be required watching for editors, news execs still facing to adequately cover the GOP threat to democracy. CNN, Brian Seltzer. How would be the reality-based media like CNN cover Republicans? Yet he lays out one of these, you know, the, 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 exactly what you're describing, how it could all happen in 2024. It is it is quite unnerving. And, and you say there's some cowards out there that don't want to talk about it. What do folks in the reality based media do in the coming weeks? What's your advice for the press corps? I mean, my my advice for the press corps is to make to, is to is to drop the, the, the fair and balanced about the one party and the other party. Who cares about the parties? Right. The parties aren't really the story. <laughs> The story is whether we have a democracy or not. And the behavior of the parties is 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 the actual story. I mean, so mm. I, I think that the main the main thing we have to do, and, and you guys have done a lot in this direction, is to drop the pretense of American exceptionalism, drop the idea that democracy is just out there like the air we breathe, and, ma- and make democracy the story itself. We had we had minimal excuse to be surprised by 2016. We had no excuse to be surprised by the coup attempt in 2020. And if, we, if we're not prepared for an attempt for people to take power undemocratically in, in 2024, then we're just at this point pathetically naive. Preparing for that and getting the facts out so that people can prepare for that and prevent it is, is what you know colleagues in journalism should be doing. Yeah, that's the assignment. Uh, Timothy Snyder, thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. Now, remember, the Democratic Party wants to federalize elections so that they can mail it to anybody and you don't have to check signatures or anything. Remember? They're the party that's trying to slip in immigration to finance bills. So Constitution is not a big thing for these people. Generally hilarious that Brian Seltzer heralds himself as part of the reality-based media when CNN claims Biden archive was Russian disinformation. Russian put bounties on heads of U.S. soldier. Putin controlled the USG through blackmail. COVID origin has been proven to be false. Imagine working with CNN at all places and then walking around and saying about yourself, hi, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Brian Seltzer and I'm part of the reality-based media. He put in pictures of Clapper. Lying. I'm not going to play all that shit and waste your time. We played it on the show. It's a lie then, it'll now lie now. In case you're looking to find who actually interfered in the 2020 election with disinformation, these blatant, lie, blatant lies were broadcast jointly by CNN and the CIA intelligence community two weeks before America went to vote for president. Fuck it. I'm going to play it. This is all a lie. Obama. So, Director, a bunch of questions from this. Let me just start with this. How much does the source matter, right? So hear the story of this laptop. We don't know a lot. We do know that the, the way that this information is getting out is through Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. How much uh, do the, the, does the source matter here? Well, the source matters a lot, and, uh, and the timing matters a lot, I think. And to me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook uh, Soviet-Russian uh, tradecraft at work. Uh, the Russians have analyzed the target. They understand that the president and his enablers uh, crave uh, 
dirt on Vice President Biden, whether it's real or contrived, that doesn't matter to them. And so all of a sudden, two, two and a half weeks before the election, uh, this laptop appears somehow uh, without and uh, emails on it without any metadata. Uh, it just it's all very curious. But the, so here you have uh, a willing target and the Russians who are very sophisticated about how to exploit a, a, a willing target. And uh, to me, that's what's at work here. And so, you know, when you, you try to figure out the specifics of, you know, whether that meeting email, for example, is real in the midst of this, um, do you think stuff like that could just have been planted in there and be completely fake? I do. I think the uh, the emails could be uh, could be contrived, particularly since, as I understand it from what I've read, uh, they appear uh, without any metadata. That is, you know, from to and, and any technical data. Uh, at least immediately evident. Now, uh, if this computer is in the hands of the FBI, they have obviously excellent, uh, sophisticated uh, technical and forensic uh, analytic capabilities, and I think they'll be able to sort it out whether this is genuine or not. But, you know, it's, it's all pretty curious, uh, given, again, two and a half weeks out from the election. All they do is lie. They make things up. Former TV boss of New York Times, Chris Cuomo sexually harassed me. Are you surprised? And as Greg Gutfeld's kicking their ass, late night TV to distract more, even though we have Haitian invasion, more people coming into Mexico, we have over, we're going to have over a million people illegally come in our country that we know about Afghanistan. Everything's a fucking clusterfuck. Now we, we did climate night. The new UN climate report warns that if industrialized countries don't change their behavior soon, the world could be on a catastrophic pathway. A recent study asked youths 16 to 25 from around the world how they felt about climate change, and 56% agreed with the viewpoint that humanity is doomed. That's why there has to be systemic change, backed up by government action to make everyone make the right choices. Here to give us tips on how each of us can make a difference improving the climate is Mother Earth. Hello, Mother Earth. Do I really have to become the CEO of an energy company just to help? Getting an MBA so you can slowly claw your way up the corporate ladder to dismantle the suicidal world-destroying system of greed from the inside. It's also religion. Sorry. <laughs> the, con the concept of an afterlife gives you people the false hope of an escape hatch. There's only one me, baby. And then darkness. Where's your God now, Moses? Don't even think about switching to another show. We're all focused on this topic tonight. You can't escape. It's basically an intervention. It's weird. The more likely you are to believe God flooded the earth, the less likely you are to believe the ice caps are melting. Maybe that wasn't a story. Maybe that was a warning for us. We are a bunch of golden retrievers sitting in a hot parking lot right now, and our owners refuse to roll down the windows. Right now, there's only one plan on the table that has any chance of doing even part of what needs to be done, the Build Back Better plan. Over four years, this would put around $2 trillion into switching to a clean energy infrastructure and mitigating the harm we've already done. Let's give you our last chance. Here's the number to call. Tell the people who represent you that you care about this. It does make a difference when you call. And tell them that they don't do something about this catastrophe that's coming our way. When the food supply gets low, 
They're the ones we're going to eat first, okay? Progressives in Congress, including Senate Budget Chairman Bernie Sanders, are pushing forward with the transformative $3.5 trillion spending plan that would invest heavily in climate infrastructure. Those fucking hypocrites take private jets or drive around in limos. The happiest day of my life. Here are photos of people really enamored with the COVID vaccine. Memories of the happiest day of my life. Get vax. Patricia Carvelis. John Hawkins. This seems like a weird thing to consider the happiest day of your life. I mean, I also got vaxxed, but I think I would put it somewhere between raking the yard and taking the trash out. My regard to your significant other. And then we find out that the new governor of New York uses religion. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, happy Monday. Is God dead? That's the question that Time Magazine famously asked way back in 1966 when Time Magazine mattered. The answer then and now is no, God is not dead. But a lot of the people who believed in him are dead, turns out. Not so long ago, this was an enthusiastically Christian country. As recently as 2009, 77% of Americans told pollsters they consider themselves to be believing Christians. Then in just 10 years over the course of the Obama administration, that number dropped by 12 points. Over the same period, the number of atheists and self-identified non-religious people in America jumped dramatically. And that was before COVID. Politicians used the pandemic across the country to close thousands of churches and throw Christians in prison for practicing their faith. Here was the scene, for example, last fall in Idaho, police arresting a congregation for singing hymns outdoors. Socially distanced hymn singing outside. So what exactly was these people's crimes? That tape will be studied by future generations of historians to try and figure out what was going on. What did these people do wrong? Well, they publicly affirmed their belief in a power higher than government. Not allowed. Fewer and fewer Americans do that or even think to. But that does not mean, and this is the critical point, that does not mean this has become a secular country. There are no secular countries, just as there are no secular people. Everybody believes in something. All of us are born with the need to worship. The question is what? So no, America has not lost its religion. It's just replaced its religion. What's dying is the faith that created Western civilization, Christianity. In its place is a new creed. And like all religions, it has its own sacraments, its own sacred texts. It's the cult of coronavirus. Kathy Hochul is one of the high priestesses of this new faith. She's the governor of New York. Now, no one voted for her as governor, and that seems odd for a politician. But it's typical for a faith leader. No one voted for Jim Jones either. 
Yesterday, Kathy Hochul held her first service as the leader of the New York Diocese of the Corona Cult. Around her neck, she wore not a cross, that's yesterday's symbol, but instead a vaccination necklace. That necklace signified to the faithful gathered that Hochul has ascended to the select priesthood of those who have taken full intravenous communion. Listen to Bishop Hochul preach. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated, all of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love? But to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. How do you show your love to one another? The old way was to visit people, say, in the hospital as they died. That's no longer allowed. The new way to show your love is to get the vax. God himself wants you to take the vaccine. I need you to be my apostles, Hochul thundered. No one comes to the Father except through the shot. Sinners in the hands of an angry healthcare worker. At the pulpit, Kathy Hochul, not super bright as you may have noticed, seems suddenly transformed. A transfiguration, if you will. Standing there, she wasn't merely a mediocre, unelected governor of a dying state with bad weather. No. Hochul was the vaccine messiah, preaching the undying word of St. Anthony Fauci. Can I get an amen, ladies and gentlemen? Now, it may sound unlikely to those of you used to the older faiths, but many are joining this new church. And for $39 right now on Amazon, you too can buy a sterling silver necklace that declares that you have been vaccinated. Literally declares it. Just spells it out in cursive. Vaccinated. There's no mistaking what an incredibly good person you are. Everyone will see it. You can also buy vaccination bracelets and vaccination pins and vaccination earrings, vaccination shirts, vaccination socks. It's all at Kathy Hochul's church gift shop. Go there today. And while you're shopping, be certain to pick up a Tony Fauci prayer candle. In fact, get two. All good, decent people have more than one. For just 15 bucks on Etsy, you can buy a patron saint of staying home prayer candle. That's a real thing. We read the reviews today. Here's one of them. Love it! Exclamation point. I think I may have to set up a little altar to place it on. Another exclamation point. There's a new convert. Here's another review from a woman called Kelly Hannon. Quote, I put this in my office. I work in public health, and this makes me smile every time I look at it. Of course it makes you smile, Kathy Hannon. Virtue is its own reward. Now, for those still making the tough transition from a traditional Western religion, a religion about God, to this new religion, which is not about God, it's really about you, and only you, and more of you, and you, 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 you can pick up this mass nativity scene online. It looks conventional, but look closely. It features Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus, all with their faces covered, as they should be even in a manger. They're masked, just like you are. In this religion of narcissism, the holiest figures look exactly like you do. That's the point. We'll reach back 2,000 years and change the appearance of historical figures to look exactly like the people in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. That's what this religion's about. And speaking of babies, you want to celebrate your children's baptism by vax by purchasing a sacred text to memorialize this moment. 
We recommend this age-appropriate Tony Fauci coloring book. This book promises, quote, hand-illustrated coloring pages starring your quarantine dreamboat. Not surprisingly, the reviews online are glowing. Everyone loves it, with one exception. Of course, there's always an apostate, the kind of person burning steaks were created for. Here's what that nasty non-believer said in the snarkiest possible way. Quote, there's a section at the back of the book where kids color numerous pages solid black to help Dr. Fauci cover up his involvement in the pandemic. Yeah, guess we know who to report to the religious police. For the rest of us, though, there are Tony Fauci pins, Tony Fauci mugs, Tony Fauci Christmas ornaments. There's a cornucopia of Fauciana. It's all part of the practice of this young but growing faith. Soon, the especially devout will set out on pilgrimages to Wuhan, China, where the very first miracle of pangolin to human transmission occurred. Some believe a visit to the wet market will heal them. And who are we to say that it won't? You're not going to hear Joe Biden doubting this new religion. Joe Biden is its chief apostle. He knows that the kingdom of Krona can exist right here on Earth and that it will endure forever. But first, everyone must convert. Every last person. This is an evangelical faith. It will be spread by the sword if necessary. Here was Joe Biden today. How many Americans need to be vaccinated first to go back to normal? What is the percentage of total vaccinations that have to be deployed? Well, I think, look, I think we get the vast majority, like what's going on in some of the, some industries and some schools, 97, 98%. I think we're going awful close. And, uh, but I'm not the scientist. Uh, uh, I think, but one thing for sure, a quarter of the country can't go unvaccinated and us not continue to have a problem. There he is, getting another shot, another. Why not? It's not just once a year. No, not for the devout. Some people take communion every day. Joe Biden would like to see everybody on board with this program. Everyone believing wholeheartedly in this new faith. He has called for 98% of the United States of America to convert, to get those shots. One, two, three, maybe every Sunday. That's a lot. That's a big percentage of people. For context, according to the CDC, and we looked it up today, just 92% of American two-year-olds are vaccinated against polio. And some say polio is almost as bad as corona. But here's the difference. Fighting polio was never a religion. It was just science. The whole project was overseen by a logical little man called Jonas Salk. Jonas Salk did not wear a vaccine necklace. He created the vaccine, but it never occurred to him to make jewelry out of the cause. No one lit candles in Jonas Salk's name. Jonas Salk's job was to stamp out a disease. And he did that. It never occurred to him to start a cult. Candace Owens is the host of Candace. You could go to strip clubs during COVID. You couldn't go to church. These people are atheists and she uses religion to get vaxxed. They don't believe there's genders. They believe men have babies. CVS CEO, kind of related since medical, invites Abraham X. Kendi to teach employees how Americans are completely soaked in a racist ideas. 
He launched an extensive race re-education program built on the core tenets of critical race theory, including intersectionality, white privilege, and unconscious bias. Merlo hosted a conversation with critical race guru, Kendi, who told 25,000 CVS employees that to be born in America is to literally have racist ideas rain on our heads consistently and constantly. As a result, Americans are completely soaked in racist ideas. Kendi argued that two- and three-year-old children are deeply racist. Our kids are basically functioning on racist ideas, choosing who to play with based on skin color. Solution is part is to diagnose them as racist in order to help them become anti-racist. In a mandatory training, CVS executives forced hourly wage employees to deconstruct their racial and sexual identities and rank themselves according to their privilege, a practice informed by the theory of intersectionality. Examples of privilege according to checklists include celebrating Christmas, having a name that is easy to pronounce, feeling safe in your neighborhood at night, and feeling confident in my leadership style. Yeah. USA Today, while we're the whole world's falling the fuck apart under Biden, women's sports depend on abortion. As women athletes and people in sports, we must have the power to make an important decision about killing babies so we continue doing our sports. Or we could just not spread our legs. I don't know. Maybe birth control. They turned into Fairfax. Parents called down the thunder on Fairfax County School Board over vile books found in libraries. After seeing a September 9th school board meeting in Texas on pornography in the schools, I decided to check the titles at my child's school, Fairfax High School. The books were available and we checked them out. Both of these books include pedophilia, sex between men and boys. Both books describe different acts. One book describes a fourth grade boy performing oral sex on an adult male. The other book has detailed illustrations of a man having sex with a boy. The illustrations include fellatio, sex toys, masturbation, and violent nudity. Pedophilia here from the author, Maya Kobabe. Quote, I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I am going to give you the blowjob of your life, and then I want you inside me, end quote. From the author, Jonathan Evison. What if I told you I touched another guy's dick? What if I told you I sucked it? I was 10 years old, but it's true. I sucked Doug Goebel's dick, the real estate guy, and he sucked mine too. This is not an oversight at Fairfax I'm High School. Sorry. This material, there are children in the audience here. Do not interrupt my time. These books are in stock and available in the libraries of Robinson, Langley, and Annandale High School. Pornography is offensive to all people. It is offensive to common decency. It is the reason why the MPAA...
Called to speak, you'll be asked to leave or escorted out by either security or the police. Who are you? Uh, my name is Stacy Langton. Are you a parent? Yeah, I'm a parent. My son goes to Fairfax High School. And these are the two books. We checked them out at the school library. need to know about this. Well, I didn't know about this, right, until a week and a half ago, and I found out about it because of seeing that Texas school board meeting where she named these two books, and I thought, oh, I wonder, you know, if that's at my kid's school, and sure enough, it was, and then when you go and look at the book, it's worse than anything you could imagine. It's actually worse, and so I came to the school board meeting because I feel like if I didn't know, I bet most parents don't know, and they need to know. That's okay. But yeah, you need to use religion. Okay. The Democrat fricassassed our tweet honoring Gold Star Mothers of Families. The Democrats. Today, on Gold Star Mother and Family Day, we recognize the courage and sacrifice of our mothers and families who have lost a child in the service to our nation. We honor them and their loved ones today and every day. 
Oh, Cardinotti, when words are spoken for someone, but their actions are just the opposite or entirely different from those same words, it's difficult to believe and trust them. This is how much the Joe Biden cared about the 13th service member killed in Afghanistan, and it's a picture of him checking his watch. Even as we find out, and Politico finally does journalisming, the top five pieces, and this sums up the media and what Chuck Todd said. The number one issue, Trump whips up election falsehoods after flawed Arizona report. Two, you disgrace the country, Judge Ribs Capitol riot defendant. Three, McConnell warns that Herschel Walker has primary war with Trump fizzles. Four, why the fear of Trump may be overblown. Five, DeSantis pulls ahead in 2024 GOP PAC as Florida COVID cases fall. Consensus science. They, the media, need this ever-linging model of creating strife and division remain relevant. Personally, I don't think it's because they believe in any of the drivel they publish. I think it's purely a financial decision. They've decided this is what generates click. And you would be wrong, sir. If they keep Trump in the news, you don't look at how fucked up Biden is. We had the health care workers. None of them want to take the fucking shot, which tells you something. Jesse Kelly, 12,000 unvaccinated illegal immigrant Haitians are currently being fully supported by the United States, but a healthcare worker in New York who doesn't want the vaccine is unemployed. They're bringing in Irish and people from the Philippines. Ugh. I'm going to play this because this is just a joke. As I said to the president, I heard him say this is a zero dollar bill because it's all going to be paid for with taxes on the wealthiest corporations and the wealthiest individuals. Does anybody believe that? Anybody out there believe that? Anybody? Terrifying news, uh, Tom Elliott, a dangerous contagion sweeping across Washington's a virus that specifically targets victims, hippocannabis, particularly hippopotamus, particularly impacting the area of the brain responsible for basic math. Reporters are also getting infected. Here's Why another one. 3.5 trillion figure misleading. Because it doesn't we, really represent anything. We, we played that. It's even spreading inside the White House. This package, the reconciliation package, would cost zero dollars. So... That's a lie. Despite this, his affinity for vaccination, I'm sad to report that even Biden, President Biden has become infected. He did it. Even fact-checking are not immune. This is the guy who did over a thousand fact-checks on Trump and has done none now. Uh, do people not understand gross cost versus net? $3.5 trillion is before taxing increases in fees. Trump's gross tax cut was $5.5 trillion before other tax increases, etc., reduced to $2 trillion in net cost. Sending prayers to Representative Lothal, the actual cost of the Build Back Better Act is zero. What idiocy. This woman is a columnist for the Washington Post. And that's who he was talking to, Britt Hume. Charles C.W. Cook, the net cost is identical whether it's paid for by taxes or borrowing the idea has arrived at some time on Friday afternoon, apparently, that we only measure costs when we are borrowing the money and it's absolutely preposterous, and you know it. 
when Glenn is doing here is cynically mixing up the idea of you raise taxes by $1 trillion and cut them by $2 trillion, you cut taxes by $1 trillion. Likewise, if you increase spending by $2 trillion and cut it by $1 trillion, you increase spending by $1 trillion. But you can't mix and match those ideas, so that's a $3.5 trillion spending increase matched with a $3.5 trillion tax increase ends up costing nothing. It costs $3.5 trillion. It's paid for directly by taxpayers. It's an obvious. It blows my mind. It's even being tried. But of course they are. Inside this bill that we have to build back better, and that's why you still have restrictions on masks, and they have lockdowns and all this shit, because you can't do it when there's no emergency. It's been the play since day one. Blame Trump. Make it an emergency. Take far fucking overreaching... uh, Control of the government and voting and everything. Tax enforcement, $798 million. Electric cars, $12 billion. Tree equity, $3 billion. What the fuck is tree equity? What is that? Four billion for distant learning resource centers, seventy-four million bias training, twenty-five million. Kyra, we used it. We used that here in CA to determine vaccine eligibility. It's the number of trees in your neighborhood. Affluent hoods have more trees. Poor hoods have fewer, so worse environment. Therefore, we must base service funding based on tree population to equalize health outcome. <laughs> These fucking people are fucking, they're just fucking insane, man. I mean, where do you, where do you come up with this shit? Where? Oh my God. Here's Pisaki actually explaining it. There's not disagreement about the fundamentals of what we're trying to achieve. And there is agreement that we need to uh, address the climate crisis, that we need to cut costs for childcare, for college, uh, that we need to make it easier for women to rejoin the workforce. We need to rebuild and modernize our infrastructure. So there's not there's agreement on that. There's a basic uh, discussion that needs to happen or is ongoing. Uh, we're right in the weeds of it now on what the size of the package looks like. But I will also note, uh, and we've done this a little bit over the past couple of days, but that this package, the reconciliation package, would cost zero dollars. So what I'm saying, what I, what we are, the case we're making here is that there needs to be agreement on the different components. There's broad agreement on the goals, and then there needs to be agreement on what the revenue pay fors are. I think what we're going to do is bring in the press. The Indian press is much better behaved than the American press. <laughs> i got to watch out, though. Knock one of those down. And uh, I think, with your permission, we should not answer questions because they won't ask any questions on point. Going back to the Friday meeting, uh, with the Prime Minister, uh, the President said that the Indian press was better behaved than the U.S. press, but the Indian press is ranked 142nd in the world, according to reporters without borders for press freedoms. How does he say that about the U.S. press? 
compared to the Indian press? Well, I would just say to you that having now worked for the president, serving in this role for nine months, having seen that he's taken questions from the press more than 140 times, including today and Friday, that he certainly respects the role of the press, the role of the freedom of pre free press. He, We ensure that we have press with us, of course, when we travel, that we have press with us for sprays in foreign, uh, in foreign capitals, and we will continue to. And I think that should speak to his commitment to freedom of press around the world. Only Democrats can get away with those that bullshit. Only Democrats. And I rolled into it, him dogging the press, and then her trying to explain it. Patrick, most of them voted for said treatment. 140 times laughable. Pure gaslighting. Too bad these reporters aren't as concerned about Biden's treatment of Americans. And if we want to talk about how we treat reporters, here's Peter Ducey. You're trying to get them to square it up. Um, how do you approach this every day? For a relatively young person, I have a ton of uh, Joe Biden knowledge built up in my brain from being with him for the last two and a half years. And what I always try to do is just think about what he is saying presently and then how that is possibly not lining up with things that he has said in the past. Does the press secretary Saki enjoy uh, throwing to you and allowing you to ask questions? Uh, or does she say, okay, here it comes? <laughs> I, I don't know what she says under her breath, but to her credit, she has called on us. I, I think that she always knows that I'm going to have a couple of fastballs in there, uh, but I try not to throw her any curveballs. If there's something that I am going to be discussing or asking her about that might not be on the front pages, I will send her a, a story, a news story, like a topic. Ne never a question in advance, but I will say, just so that you know, this is something that I'm interested in if there's time at the briefing. And the reason that I do that is because it doesn't do us, it doesn't do me, it doesn't do Fox any good to just spring something on her live on TV that she doesn't know about. Because then she says, well, I'm going to have to check or I'm going to have to get back to you. Your questions and the way you ask them are very, very respectful in my view. And I think the American people agree with me, even though they can be um, very elucidating. You've managed to accomplish that at a very young age where people like, and you need not comment on this, Jim Acosta and so forth, to this day. Just nine months ago, that was breaking the Constitution, ripping and shredding it. Freedom of speech is so important. The press is necessity to our This is America. Here are just two examples of these religious people who say if you don't have a COVID vaccine, you're not a real Christian. Simultaneously, sexualizing children. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. My area. I got the strap.
students in sex schools. You might recognize us from the press. We're the Deviant News, having loads of S-E-X. And catching chlamydia. And writing musicals about dicks. But I'm not embarrassed <laughs> to be a student of sex school because sex well, is part of the inhuman. Whoa! How did you let this happen? I'm going to stop the video. Do it quickly. Whatever you do, don't make a scene. Which is why schools need safe spaces for people to ask those things that some might find a little bit awkward. But there's no shame, stigma, or fear. Because when shame is used as a weapon, it doesn't just hurt people. It can damage them forever. But the opposite of shame is pride. And the students of sex school are proud of the things that some people would like to shame us for. Because if Lily Eichelhart is a weirdo for writing short stories about aliens with penis hands, we're definitely weirdos too. <laughs> I love my clitoris, and I feel no shame. Ladies, get you one. Come. I blind my chest, and I feel no shame. I have a hairy bum. I feel no shame. I'm literally stuck. Stop the video now. I'm great at anal dick. And I feel no shame. I'm great at anal dick. A lot of shame comes from old-fashioned views on sex. And sadly, schools have taught a lot of people to feel ashamed of their identities and bodies. The cycle continues today. But the world is changing, and young people have had enough. So if you agree that communication and empathy are better tools than silence and shame, then join us by asking your school for better. Men love to ask women about children, don't they? Didn't you just say that there's no such thing as men and women? Yeah, I didn't say there's no such thing. I said there's infinite variations. And the idea that I'll be working to bring back men is reductive and ridiculous and beyond stupid. I'm sorry, stupid. look, I was just asking because you seem sad. I seem sad? Look around you. You understand how fucked we are, right? If I can figure out why you survived, and that's a big if, and I can somehow figure out a way to replicate it or replicate you, and again, that's an even bigger if, none of that even begins to scratch the surface of what we have lost. Which is not, and I cannot emphasize this enough, men. Not everyone with a Y chromosome is a man. If you're letting the left sexually educate your kids, remember, anal sex is okay to them. Oral sex isn't sex. Neither is anal sex. Good shit. To a lighter fare, I wanted to do a shout-out to... R. Lee Ermey watched Full Metal Jacket the other day. I was waiting to go to work. I miss this man.
I must shoot straighter than my enemy who is trying to kill me. I must shoot him before he shoots me. I will. Before God, I swear this creed. My rifle and myself are defenders of my country. We are the masters of our enemy. We are the saviors of my life. So be it, until there is no enemy. But peace. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and go to foppodcast.com for back episodes. Still a lot of listens, and I've been doing one a week. And I just thank you all because it's still humming with the back catalog. We're about to hit six years pretty soon. We've been doing this show. Hard to believe. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. I will be uh, not able to do one until uh, next Friday. Have my grand opening this weekend, my 85 braces, because the knee's better, but the other knee got hurt from limping, the elbow's shot. I'm a bundle of hurt because I work too much. But I promise things are going to get better. Going to hire a few people, work a little less, get down to that 38 hours I'm supposed to be working because I'm a manager on salary. You're supposed to not work. 40, but I don't remember every time not doing that. And then I can start getting a couple off before I go to work. So that'll be some cool stuff. So thank you all for listening and take care. Oh, I forgot. As we close out, the president that got the most votes ever in a totally non-rigged election, a lot of people saying, fuck Biden. Enjoy. Fuck Joe Biden. First of 10, Alabama at the 35.